the time has come. The time is now. It's the State of Combat podcast with the Brian Campbell on CBS Sports. And I don't have to tell you, it's back with a bang. Pro Wrestling Edition, ready for your consumption and ready for injection into your ear holes. Thanks to that one and only untraceable, unmistakable performance enhancing audio. Guys, it's BC. It's your boy. Not going to lie to you. It's one step forward, two steps back for the WWE. Was not feeling pro wrestling as of about 24 hours ago. Was not feeling this show. But things have changed. Oh, the, the souls of wrestling fans have been lifted. And once again, I am here to draw that line in the sand and ask you a very, very important question. Yes, we are, Conrad. We need this revolution. I got three letters for you. M-O-X. Put it in my field spot right now. Somebody record that. That sounded gross. Are you kidding me? Stick it right in me. Right now. Well, hold on. Hold on. Let me. Let me. That better get added to the board. It is on the board, Silver King. Wow. We're back, guys. We need it. We need real pro wrestling We may be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. We'll talk about that and much, much more. BC coming at you live from Las Vegas. So apologies for any sound, but it is Canelo Alvarez, Daniel Jacobs fight week in the world of box. So you're going to have to deal with me inside these dirty Vegas bed sheets. Quite literally, folks. Yes, you better believe that. All right. Uh, Hey, five-star review season is still upon us. Please get out there and, and spread the word. Have your say. You know, you like the show, you don't like the show, whatever. Put it out there. Put it on file. Draw that line in the sand. Let us know from this day forward which side of the line you are on. Uh, Let me bring in my co-host to talk about the build to Money in the Bank and all things going on outside the world of WWE. He's the Silver King. He's also bad. Here he comes. Say hello. To the bad guy. Oh, yeah. He's allowed to call the belt now. He also never hedged. He's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now. I like how WWE, like, it's almost like they listen to the show and they hear us praise them and say, wow, that was a really good five hours of TV you guys put on. And then they just decide to do the exact opposite. It's almost like there's... Different people writing the show every week. And for some reason, they do not allow our field spots to be hit consistently. And it's getting frustrating. The Silver King is frustrated. Oh, it's not In more ways than frustrating. One. It is frustrating. But we forgive so easily, so quickly, because we're marks. We're friggin' marks. We love this crap. We want WWE in our hearts to be number one. They have the most access and reach and money and technology and names and they have touched our our souls for many years. We want it to work and we forgive. But, Adam, the reality is WWE and Vince McMahon right now is your alcoholic stepdad who you love the guy. He means well, but he can't get off the sauce. He can't get straight. And every time he takes a step forward, it's two more steps back. And he is who he is, and he shouldn't have the keys to the car anymore if you know where I'm going. Yeah, you get the nice brunch. Oh, wow, dad's going to be sober today. This is great. 
you have a nice meal, you come home, you watch some sports on TV, and then nighttime comes, and he's on the sauce again. That's a great comparison because there's no there's no extended period of time where we can say, man, WWE's really kicking ass. There's shows, there's segments, there's hours, there's weeks, there's never months, and there certainly aren't years. So we're just in this really strange, horrible time for WWE where, like you said, they have the pieces, but they ain't putting it together. And they're opening doors for other organizations and other people to come in and say, you know what? If you're not going to do it right, or not even right, if you're not going to do it good, then we're going to at least try. And we're going to get a portion of your audience. And that's what's going to happen. And and by the way, it's going to force Vince's hands or the McMahon family's hands or Paul's hands. If he can get his hands over Vince's hands and peel those fingernails back, inevitably, WWE is going to win and survive and be around. No one is sitting here cheering for WWE's demise, but we are cheering for that wake up call for that alarm clock to go off. And by the way, as fertile a season as 2019 could be with the Fox deal on the horizon with AEW coming it's it's ridiculous to have these type of weeks of creativity, yet it's opening the door for angry old school fans like me to be like, couldn't come quick enough, AEW. Couldn't, well, like, a- anyone, anyone else. Adam, I was talking about this last night with our own Jack Crosby. The door's wide open for another ECW to kick in. Not separate from AEW, right? Separate from New Japan. If somebody wants to just come in and put out a rated R product with violence and sex and ridiculousness and flip the scriptness, the door is actually open for it yeah, to hit I mean, because WWE is not only PG, but it's so damn predictable and safe and copy and paste that this is the third boom period. This is a great time to be alive as the re- as a wrestling fan, and it is an open market, and WWE is allowing it to be so. I mean, there is a door open for an ECW-like situation, but because of the time that we're in, the ceiling can only be so high. Whereas ECW had a a low ceiling also because even in that time, in the 90s and early 2000s, the ceiling was only so – you could only do so much, right? And it's even lower now. I'd argue it's higher, Adam, because back then it was early It's not because if you want to be a major company making millions of dollars – you have to answer to the general public and the Twitter police and all these other people. It, their ceiling is far lower than it was well, about 15 years ago. Uh, ECW never made it to be a major. They came pretty close. But they really, in, in, in truth, never really made it. They were still a feeder, well, still a minor league. But the point was, critically, they, they kicked down doors and changed the game. The doors open for somebody... Like And again, I'm not talking about AEW, Ring On, or any of those guys. Somebody to come in and do things like completely differently. Like be revolutionary, be low budget. And I think that because, look, how did we consume ECW back then? We got drunk and turned it on at 1 a.m. on some like regional cable station and got lucky yeah. to re- run into it. Nowadays with the internet, with the fight app and all this. Other, I mean, you could just, it's at your fingertips. So it's there. It was, it, it was on so late. I had, to v- I had to VHS tape it because it, it wasn't even on at one by me. It was on at like three. So I had a VHS tape and I used the same one. I kept it in the recorder in the VCR. I used it every single week and I just kept watching it because it was that damn good. We ta- we traded tapes for ECW pay-per-views that I wasn't allowed to buy because I was already getting the WWF ones. So yeah, you're right. I mean, there is a market for it, but just because there's a market doesn't mean that 
it can insert itself into a picture of a oh, semi-major. No. Silver King, inevitably, if anyone tries anything, you are there to, to – do you ever play that game? Uh, what do I'm you sorry that, that I gave you legitimate reasons why a, a, a R-rated product with adult themes in 2019 isn't going to be a huge moneymaker. Again, ECW was not a huge moneymaker. All we're talking about is to critically have an imprint on the business to force the others to change, which yeah, well, ECW can't any did. Of these, any of these organizations can do that now. No one gives a crap about MLW or CZW or GCW or PWG. Like Any of these organizations can go, quote-unquote, hardcore, and it won't matter because it'll be a blip on the radar. You're talking about someone mattering. Like right. actually getting exposed, mattering right? by being so critically different and new and the opposite of what we see now in wrestling. And most of the companies you just named aren't the opposite of that. They're doing indie wrestling. I'm saying the door is like open a blood, for somebody. You want like a blood sport? Like it doesn't have to promotion? be. I'm saying it doesn't have to follow the ECW model. It doesn't necessarily have to be blood and guts and swearing. I'm just saying the door is open for somebody to do something completely different, completely revolutionary, off the rails. And because of technology, they got a chance to do that. And maybe it would change WWE. Maybe New Japan and AEW have already changed WWE in some ways. It's a great time to be alive. I just, I just don't know how far off the reservation you're talking about when, like, it still needs to be pro wrestling. So how, how different can it be? Like, football is still football. You can change the rules, but it's football. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm just saying ECW did it by, being, by taking everything that was already there and just amp, steroid amping it up, having people do backflips into the crowd through tables. Right. I, I'm saying I don't know if that's the, the same thing, but the door is open if somebody wanted to do an ECW or do something that we haven't thought of yet. Take well, one I think, element I think AEW, to be fair, will, will be a different – it'll try to differentiate itself from WWE as much as possible. I think yeah. in-ring product, presentation – um, wins the mattering. School. They keep bringing that up. You know, a lot of like fans are so taught, oh, oh, you know, health insurance and all this stuff. Yeah. The employees get health insurance. No one else does. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about how the on-screen product is going to be different. And I think they are going for that differentiation and it's going to work because there's enough fans that are interested in watching it. Look, if TNA can survive this long through all of its incarnations, I, the global force and impact and all these names that it's had, if TNA can survive this long, AEW with the con money and the names they have behind it is going to last. The question is how much of a dent can they actually make into WWE? They're not going to close WWE down, but can they impact it enough where WWE doesn't just say, yeah, they're a, they're a fly in the ointment and they're annoying and we got to change a couple things to win back some of our people. Or can they make a big enough dent where WWE says, man, we really need to do business differently because there's a danger of our profits being affected. You just laid That's out when it's going to matter. The mission statement of this revolution. You just laid out the reason why people need to get so excited and cheer for these other companies. What's the bottom line here? To make WWE change. And that's what's going to happen. Eventually, it's going to work. And I just, I'm just blown away that WWE is almost so blindly letting some of that happen. Letting the, like, in 2019, with all that's coming, not putting their best foot forward. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's it, ridiculous. It, it's, it's it, it is, and, and it makes me concerned that the second half of that mission statement or prophecy isn't going to happen. That WWE is just going to be like, eh, you know what? We're going to be good getting 1.5 million raw viewers a week, and that's what we'll have, and that, and we'll be okay with that. As long as they're not doing, you know, more than 500,000, then we're fine with 1.5. Like, I'm almost worried that Vince is like, yeah, hey, we're making so much money, we're profitable. We're still making record profits. Our, our stocks can go back up to 100. And it doesn't matter what kind of product we put on. Because you know what? What you just said is true, Brian. 
what they're putting on TV shows us they don't care. It shows us that we thought they may have learned a couple lessons, but they really haven't. No, they don't care. And, and Vince has the stamp at the end of the line. We know how it works. Vince makes the picks. And speaking of picks, Adam, this weekend isn't just Canelo Jacobs. As you know, first weekend of May is not just BC's anniversary with my wife, Jen. Shout out to her for uh, getting married on the same day as the biggest boxing holiday every year and never seeing me. But the first weekend in May <laughs> is the most important sports weekend of the year. We know we're in the Stanley Cup playoffs, the NBA playoffs. MLB is... Uh, is is happening. We got box and we also have the Kentucky Derby, the kickoff to the Triple Crown. And there's a gentleman for CBS Sports for Sportsline named Hammer and Hank Goldberg. You may have heard of this legend who goes straight to the source to get you the winning horse racing picks. Let me tell you about last year. Hammer and Hank was all over Justify early after talking to a timer in California. Who's the hammer going to talk to this year, Adam? The janitor? All I know is that you can't touch this. Hank will get you those picks. He's all over the Derby this year. So visit sportsline.com and click on Kentucky Derby to see Hank's picks for this year's race. And use the promo code Derby, yes, D-E-R-B-Y, to get your first month of picks for just $1. Tell them Hammer and Hank sent you. All right, Adam, we got that business behind us. It's time to talk about the business of pro wrestling, and it's time to hit buttons on my soundboard. And I think you know what type of buttons. Yeah, we're going to start with the most important wrestling story of the week that I teased off the top in our first segment called... But I think you know what sound is coming next when you hear the letters M O. X. Holy crap. From left field, it's Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley, a.k.a. Mox. Adam, he's back, brother. The deal with WWE is over. I don't know about a non-compete, but all I know is that Dean never tweeted on his WWE account. But now at John Moxley, J-O-N, he put out a tweet last night, Tuesday night, that threatened to break the damn internet from a wrestling perspective. And it was a video that included him and his wife, Peter, and jeans busting out of prison, jumping over a barbed wire fence, grabbing a handful of that barbed wire and showing up in a wrestling ring, working out and training for what threatens and teases to be the next chapter of his career outside of WWE. Shout out to Eric at Ripsauce. Sometimes he feuds with me on this show, but he's a strong fan. He tweeted at me and basically hit me up with that Nick Costos legendary sound drop. Take the L and admit you're wrong because you sound ridiculous. Eric says, look, I was wrong. I'm taking the L. Mox is not retiring. He's back. The question is, Adam, where is he going? How fired up are you for it? And were those dice on the wall that he walked by in an alleyway that said the Viper Room and the dice showed 2-5? Is that a shout-out to May 25th, AEW, double or nothing? What say you, Adam? Because all I'm going to do is spit hot fire into this microphone if you let me talk any longer about this. (laughs) Well, I certainly hope that's what it is, because the thing that we say with anyone who leaves WWE who we like or anyone that's on the independent scene who we like is I want to see them on TV. I want to watch them. And I'm not really going to watch Impact. 
and I'm certainly not going to watch Ring of Honor. So the only way for me to see Mox, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, whatever you want to call him, is probably going to be for him to get into AEW and for them to get a TV deal. So I certainly hope he winds up there. Um, but obviously that 2-5 and that logo is the Viper Room, which is a chain. There's one in Cleveland, which I think, or some city in Ohio, which is where he's from. Um, there's one in Vegas, LA, et cetera. So maybe that's just a coincidence and that's the hallway they were going down for shooting this video. Or maybe it was on purpose. If it was on purpose, that's quite a coincidence that it's 2-5 on the dice and the show is specifically on the 25th of May. That's pretty cool. So no, I mean, I do hope he goes to AEW. I just hope he goes anywhere where we can get more presentations of Jonathan Moxley like we did in that video. That's the type of promos we want. That's the type of wrestling we want. That's the type of character we want. So Spot was activated. It came out at midnight. So the whole point, his contract expired in April. It's May 1st. Boom, video. So I think that was kind of where it all came from. But holy crap, fantastic. that fired me. Look, it was brilliant. It was edgy. And you can't escape the symbolism. He's in a jail cell, marking, counting down the days on the wall. And when he hits the certain number, he starts throwing shoulder tackles into the cinder blocks. And he busts out like it's Alcatraz. And then when he jumps over that fence as the guards are chasing him, he grabs onto the barbed wire. And anybody that didn't follow Mox on the indies, and I certainly didn't back then, I know, though, of what he was about. The dude was about death matches. The dude was about the artistry of this wild side of pro wrestling. He's a storyteller. He likes viciousness. Let me take you back. I don't have the sound present, but I remember. Adam, uh, it was 2017 SummerSlam. We did the uh, red carpet in New York City at the EA, or not EA, the 2K17 party, whatever it was. We got a quick couple minutes with Dean Ambrose. WWE PR guy standing next to him. How, that's how it works, right? But guess what happened, Adam? You may remember. PR guy gets distracted. Somebody calls his name. He walks off. I got Dino in front of me. I got Mox right there. I go, hey, Dean, I don't know about your personal wrestling taste, although that was a setup because I did know. He's a deathmatch guy. I, I've seen his YouTube work. I said, me, I prefer a time when a man could blade. And he, Adam, after looking over his shoulder to see how close PR was, went on a fun little rant about the type of wrestling he prefers, edgy, real, real fights, blood and guts. We know that in that Lesnar feud, he wanted, ahead of Mania a couple years ago, he wanted to do weapons and craziness, and Lesnar wasn't, uh, wasn't playing ball. Remember that segment when he was champion, and he was in that bar with Terry Funk, and he had the chainsaw? He wanted to go in that direction, and WWE wouldn't let him. Adam, from the very least, separate AEW from this for now. At the very least, here's a frustrated artist, that's not all about the money. That's all about the art form. And maybe his art form is a little bit more blunt than some people will like. But the guy's got star power and leverage, and he's going for it. And he probably doesn't care. He probably will rightfully and willfully show up in a high school gym and, and take a cheese grater over someone's head. But to him, this is what wrestling's all about. And I got to stand up like I do for Cody, the damn maverick, and applaud that, Adam, because we don't all have to sell our souls and be about big business. We all can get to a certain point and say, you know what, I'm not happy anymore. And this is for anyone listening to the show, by the way. I know sometimes we have to take corporate jobs we don't want. You got to sell insurance because you got a mortgage. But I know deep in your heart, you're probably saying, you know what, this is not where I thought I would be in life. I don't want to be here. This doesn't make me happy. It's not easy to do what Dino did, Adam. No. But he's doing it, and I'm applauding him. It's not easy, especially when your wife is still working there and you know seems to be 
have a long-term career there. But let's just stop with the selling your soul to get paid millions of dollars to be a professional wrestler. Not that it's not a tough job. It is a very tough job. But let's not call it selling your soul when you're a national celebrity, even though he's not really into that, and you get paid tons of money to do the job you want to do. Then Adam, you know, then Adam why do people let, – Let's just calm then, down on that. Then why is every first take in SportsCenter debate show about Kevin Durant going to the Super Team Warriors and not trying to win a championship on his own? Because the idea in theory is that he's too good to sell his soul to take an easy way out. Well, you can't compare a being a team sport to a entertainment property. Like I can when it's when and, it's and I'm not going to justify arguments on first take. So please don't put me in that position when that show is horrible. But what I will say about Dean, and I'll just call him that because it's easier. Um, he is the, he in particular more than Cody and Cody was too, is the paradigm of WWE's problem. He's the prime example of what they do wrong. They have this guy who was the workhorse of the company. He gets injured, finally is able to take, not take time off, but it has to be away from TV to rehab. He works his ass off. They put together that fantastic, I think it was WWE Chronicle or 24 or 365. I don't remember which show it was, but that fantastic show about him getting ready to come back and talking about how frustrated he was with his spot in WWE, but how excited he is to be back and refresh it. They bring him in with a hot return. They put the shield back together. They do all that stuff. And then they pay it off with one of the best turns that we have seen in years with him turning on Seth Rollins the day Roman Reigns announces for real that he's battling leukemia. And then what does WWE do? They have this piece of gold in their hand that could have been a main event match, Reigns-Ambrose at WrestleMania if they played it right, or Rollins-Ambrose at WrestleMania. They rush the storyline. They have him take injections in his ass. They have him wear gas masks to a, to the ring and include sirens in his entrance music. They have him cut you people promos for eight weeks. And they take a, a feud that should have been hot fire and one of the greatest things WWE has done on its main brand in years, akin to Gargano, Gargano Champa, And they just flush it down the toilet. And the result of that is this guy who fans like and look, if I'm being honest, I do think he's a bit overrated. I don't personally love him. That's not saying he's not good. I understand people love him. But they take this guy who fans love, more importantly. Forget my opinion. And they make him nothing. They make him garbage. And then he comes in and says, hey, I'm leaving. And he tells them, hey, I'm going to retire and whatever. Because he said it on TV and they said it multiple times. And WWE gives him like 17 send-offs. And raises his profile even more. And then he leaves. His contract finally expires. He cuts this promo video. And it gets like a million views inside of 12 hours. So you know what, Dean? Good for you, man. Because you're the type of guy, you're the type of performer, the type of artist, whatever you want to call it, who deserves this opportunity. Whether it's with AEW. Whether it's doing shows individually on his own on the independents. And making 100 grand but not... 500 grand or a million or whatever he was going to make with WWE. I don't care. I'm happy to see him happy more than anything else. And I'm happy that WWE is going to have to deal with this lesson of what can happen when you truly ruin a talent and ruin uh, and lower their ceiling of what they're able to achieve. Because you know what? The revival, if they leave, they leave. Cody, we liked him because he was Dusty's son and he's doing good stuff from, from a, a mind standpoint right now. 
But if he left, he left. Dean Ambrose matters, and that's going to affect them, and good for him. All those other names matter as well. So, Adam, this is not a retirement, and it's not a work, even though our good friend Daniel Greer sent me a long DM saying how this could be a work, and it's like, dude, stop. Stop it. I mean, it would be funny if he came back to WWE as John Moxley, but it's not going to happen. No, That's not it. no. We know what Dean really wants. Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. Wow. Tag. Tag. Don't we all want a piece of that pie? Look, he's going to get a piece. And look, the selling this whole thing wasn't about if you go to WWE, you're selling your soul. It's about if you're a frustrated artist who's not doing what you want to do. Right. It's like you could hit eighth on the Yankees and be a pinch runner and you're still a champion. Or you could say, no, I, I, I should be starting in center field. So sometimes people, you know, allow that. Do what they have to do to get that, to show their skills. Look at James Harden right now. This is Ambrose saying, not only I could be doing more, but I think even more importantly, I could be doing anything but this carny BS. We saw yeah. the revival this week with their, getting their back shaved. Like, these guys are wrestlers at their core. They've been influenced by the 80s and 90s when it was about being a fight. That's why, look, it's not the perfect equivalent of that discussion we had to open the show. Like, it's not 1992 or 3 when WWE was, like, over-the-top PG. Com- Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Yeah, you know, cartoonish characters. But it's kind of parallel to that. It's PG today. They watered down everything. And it's and the PG isn't the problem. More or less, the, the boring, basic presentation is the problem and Dean is like, no, I want to be edgy. This is a fight. My character's a dirtbag. Like, imagine him in NJPW, for example, in that Jay White push, getting that type of, you know, opportunity to do physical hard mashes and cut promos. And I'm not even saying that fits Dean's skill sets perfectly. He's probably better for a while living his indie dreams and doing ridiculousness and going around the world. But if he shows up at AEW, you nailed the part about he does matter. The name matters. God, he's part of the Shield, whether you like him or not, whether you think he's the Ringo star of the Shield or not. He's a Shield member, brother. Him going into the launch of AEW would matter. Good God. How about him and Punk as the uh, double or nothing main event? You, you down with that? Oh, my God. Yeah. He wants, I mean, that would explode the building. Forget forget selling it out. They've already done that. They feel, um, am I, are you getting some a lot of the CM Punk references and nods lately from me? Yeah. The question is, is it on purpose just to tease people with Easter eggs or is it real? I don't I don't really I, I don't know. I'm not going to go too deep into that yet. I mean, it'd be cool to see him. But I mean, again, I just I don't know. And I don't think they need him for this show. I think they need him maybe next time they go to Chicago. I don't know. They need him for this show. I, I, t- I take issue with your revival back shaving comparison, primarily because I thought it was funny. Um, oh, and, come on, dude. Wh- and and let's not act like heels aren't put in that position all the time and will be put in that position in AEW and do silly things on being the elite all the time. But uh, and that's Christian all WWE and, does, and, though. And Christian and, and Chris Jericho had the whole ass cream storyline like 10 years ago that was really funny so let's not really act like that was bad or bearing the revival it's it's but think of the artist no that was funny it was okay but think of the revival who were part of that gangbang bukkake at raw 25 and then got the belts and lost them right away to the damn kurt hawkins like they're i mean jack mccarran slid in my dms this week uh at j berg kk Wow, one more K and you would have been banned from the show. He says the Revival are artists and will star in the revolution when they leave. And I think he nailed it. And you're right. The Revival, go, follow Mox, 
do real wrestling and real storylines. You guys are artists. People heard last week on our bonus pod my interview with the Revival. They're friggin' tag team artists. Go somewhere where that's appreciated. Heck, listen to Sami Zayn from this week. Hey, trust me. Believe me when I tell you that quitting WWE would be amazing it really would guys the door is open anyway that's not the rabbit the the road i was going to go down i was just going to let mick johnston another of our dm sliders sum it up best you know the guy from australia right mick underscore johnston yeah you know that that borderline rushmore guy he says bc this week wwe gave us the Artrusos wrapping their way to the ring. A weak money oh. in the bank ladder match field with no stories behind why the competitors were selected. Bailey taking another clean L. No sign of Cesaro after he inexplicably split from Sheamus, I think. And the superstar shakeup continuing into a third week. Although, BC, you have to believe it was nice to see the Good Brothers and the B team get TV time. He goes, that's just to name a few. But in short, he says, BC, cue up the sound bite for me. I will when I find it. Okay. Look at all of this crap in this ring. Mick says, then I saw the Mox promo video. Like Sting holding out on the NWO's advances. I have resisted the revolution, says Mick. But much like the Stinger, I can't resist the Wolf Pack. Fired the heck up. Oh, man, I'm fired up for this. And here's the thing, Adam. It's not just me annoying BC, the revolution guy, the uh, uh, WWE's killing him, so he's got to come on this pod and crap all over it every week, even though, look, do you care about your time? Do you care about the investment you make? WWE's not backing up the investment, and guess what? I've got like 47,000 tweets this week from many of Mick Johnston saying the exact same thing, saying what you said off the top. It's not working. So if there's going to be more Moxleys, they should get in line, Adam. You hate when I say, hey, Ferg, pick up the phone, bro. He's not being – he's not Paul being though. There's people who should should leave and need to. He's not one of them. He's being – he's fine. He's being treated well. The point more than anything is that, look, this is, a as I said earlier, the perfect example of WWE ruining someone – and now paying for it because they're going to pay for it. Because even if he doesn't quote unquote sign with AEW, he'll show up in AEW or he'll show up in ring of honor or he'll show up on impact. He'll be somewhere that matters and it's going to come back to bite them in the ass. And like I said, if the revival leave, and I, I do think that's a possibility, maybe a likelihood at this point, good for them too. I think one thing we shouldn't forget about AEW and WWE, especially when we talk about tag teams, is Vince has always seen WWE as a singles territory, and he's always just kind of put up with tag teams. He's put some over, sure, but they've never really main-evented shows. It's not a big deal. AEW, one of their prime objectives is to have tag teams matter as much as singles performers. So there is the opportunity for a team like the Revival, Gallows and Anderson, the Good Brothers, plus you already have the Young Bucks, you already have uh, Penta, Penta and Phoenix. There is an opportunity there for tag teams to say, hey, if they're willing to pay us, and they're willing to feature us, that's going to be potentially a better life for us over there. So so I, I do think that's a possibility. But I think Ambrose is really that linchpin of, if it works out for him, yeah, WWE's in for some problems. They can offer five-year, you know, $1 million per year contracts, $500,000 per year contracts to mid-card talent. And if they're like, look, I could probably get similar money, 
work a third less days and maybe make it to the main event eventually over there. Yeah, maybe I will go. Maybe I'll let my contract expire. Damn right. All right. Let's it's a risk. It's a risk, though. It is. Well, it is a risk, but yeah. freedom is the the mar. It's it's a wrestler's market right now because there's more places to work. So more than it has been in a long time. Freedom yep. is in the wrestler's hands. So you, you know, Kenny Omega sort of has it right. He always says, "Of course, I'd like to go to WWE. In fact, my dream scenario is that I could go there." for like a short season, do a program and then still be able to wrestle everywhere else. And we all laugh at that at first because, oh, ha ha, good luck Vince ever doing that. But if you can get back to a point where it's a buyer's market, where it's a wrestler's market again, then I mean, I don't see WWE folding because of the high walls they have around their fortress built up of financial uh, cushionness. But, you, you know, you, you need to make yourself into a Brock Lesnar, basically. And the problem is, there's only so many of those guys, and even Ambrose isn't one. What Ambrose can do is he can go out, be a year on the independence. Um, let's say he doesn't sign with AEW, spend a year on the independence, become the biggest name, and go, and Vince will come back to him and be like, "Look, John, I'll give you five million, and you get creative control." Like maybe something like that happens eventually at some point, but Vince isn't playing with, "Hey, come for two months." you know, do your thing and leave. He's not sharing talent with anyone. That ain't Vince. That ain't happening. Uh, but speaking of that other guy, and we do have more show to get to, there's a lot of other topics here. Brian, the good news of, of John Moxley being back last night was great. It was countered with what I consider some bad news. Brock Lesnar, apparently, according to UFC president Dana White, has officially retired from mixed martial arts. UFC is moving on with a Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic, Miocic. Mio, what is it? Miocic. All right. I had it the second time. Stipe Miocic uh, rematch, which looks like it's going to happen August 17th. I'm sure BC will be there for that. But what it also means, BC, is Brock Lesnar is free to do as much WWE as he wants. And I don't know if you saw my tweet uh, coming Monday night. I am 98% sure, and I was before this even happened, that Brock Lesnar will be interfering in the main event of Money in the Bank between Seth Rollins and AJ Styles and forcing a rematch with Seth Rollins at Blood Money in the Sand 3, <laughs> which was also announced, also announced Wednesday yes. morning uh, in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. So but isn't, that, un- isn't that Jeddah announcement, by the way, like the, the cherry on top of yes. the ish Sunday that they've given us this week? Like, who the freak? I know they got Goldberg coming back. They got Taker. They got Brock all signed for that. But who cares? Like, we, we have to be past caring about that show. Like, you don't F- need to. I, I don't think you need to bleep it on this one. They gave us a shit Sunday, and that was the cherry on top. One hundred. I when I woke up this morning, and I'm like, "What are we going to talk about on this show?" Because this week in WWE kind of sucked. I was like, "Well, we'll talk about Moxley. We'll talk about Cody. Uh, we'll talk about the Money in the Bank stuff and, and Lesnar." Oh my god! <laughs> like that. That's literally the the thought that came to my mind. Yeah. Let Let's talk, Brock. Let's do this. And let's hear real quick from from a guy who probably deserves to have his face in stone. Your buddy and mine, Black Saber Jr., sliding in at underscore Black Saber Jr. He says, how is Brock, quote unquote, retiring from WWE going to potentially affect his future booking? Is it less likely we see him booked as an unstoppable slash absent champion if the possibility of him bouncing back to MMA isn't as high? Great question, Black Saber. And I'm going to handle that right now. Um, Adam said this is bad thing. And I know you're coming at it from a largely a WWE angle. I think across the board, this is great news. And here's why. 
Real quick from, I know this isn't an MMA podcast, and we do have one in the state of combat almost every week. Uh, it's great for UFC because, look, it was a freaking joke that Brock was great for UFC. coming off of a steroid suspension in which he had no excuse, right? This, is, this wasn't like everybody else where you're like, oh, tainted supplement. The dude straight up roided. He has one fight in basically the last seven years, and he was gifted fresh off that steroid suspension with a title shot he did not deserve, that he would have had no chance of winning against Daniel Cormier. So to take that out, and by the way, check out Curtis Blades UFC heavyweights tweet this morning that just annihilates Brock. Look, that's that that was a mockery of UFC. It was of their pay per view structure. Of their it was you know it was all those bad things. Now you can get back to heavyweight business there with Miocic getting the rematch. John Jones lingering for a potential move up, and now from a wrestling standpoint. I think this is a giant positive. The idea of Brock always being able to leverage things against Vince and always being able to jump away really sort of handicapped the potential of what his booking can be when you mix with his part-time schedule and the fact that he has WWE by the balls if he wants to. The fact that he shows up on Raw for five minutes in the opening segment, doesn't say a word or touch anybody, and disappears from the show and you don't see him again, which is ish. That sucks. Brock coming back to wrestling and not having something pulling him away, even with that part-time schedule, will be massive when they book him into something that matters again. And now they're going to have to, because we talked about this ad nauseum. They mortgaged Brock's good name to try to get Roman over over the past two years. Like they straight up presented Brock as a villain that you should hate, a guy who only cares about UFC and money. And even if we break it down outside of the Goldberg feud, which was good business, and Brock did what he had to do, and they told a good story, and obviously outside of the one-offs that we popped massive for, meaning the Finn Balor and AJ Styles matches in which Brock sold, he showed and Daniel Bryan that he still has it, Daniel Bryan as well, when Brock is invested in something, he's... Brock for a reason, I mean, I swear, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we'll look back at a fi- as a fine wine and forget all of these indiscretions and be like Brock was a unique special Andre the Giant type talent in an era where there was so much talent and it all blended together and everybody could work even fat guys and he was this one special attraction that was different and yes the booking needs to be there or it will be a failure but the booking has to be there it's time because he doesn't have the title right now and yes he could ruin money in the bank like you mentioned and get back in the title picture and you can make a full-on argument that if Brock's not in the title picture What are you going to use him for? Because he's that special. But he has to be involved in things that have stories and wrinkles. Because when you give him the ball, he dominates. When you let him speak, remember that backstage segment with him holding the magazines and making faces? The guy can work. Remember the build to to this 2017 Samoa Joe feud? Had a great balls of fire. Did brilliant work. And when he cares about it, he'll sell. The guy's freaking amazing. Vince made us hate him. Because yes. Vince's booking sucks, just like Vince made us hate Roman Reigns initially. So him coming back is great news. And to answer Black Saber's question, yes, you're going to have to book him differently. And one day, they're going to do this idea that I had when I thought Brock was going to get knocked out by Mark Hunt in 2016 at UFC 200. The idea for the first time ever, booking Brock under the guise of, does he not have it anymore? Is it too far gone? I think there's a babyface run for him as sort of the aging former champion one of these days, it's going to be brilliant. We're still a few years away from that. But if you're telling me I get 10 more years of Brock as a part-timer in WWE, I'm, or seven, I'm signing up and I'm going to be excited about it.
Yeah, I mean, I think you should be lucky if you get three. I don't, I don't know about that. There's, I agree with you in, in theory. There's no issue with Brock, the performer, when he is in the ring. The problem is running storylines with a guy who refuses to be on TV after 8.15 p.m. and who refuses to be on TV every single week and has not had a match on television since, like, the last time he was with the company before he left. I don't even – I used to have that stat handy, 2009 – 2006, I don't even remember when it was. The guy doesn't fight on TV, so he's half of a superstar. And if you're not going to have him in a title picture, then what exactly are you going to do with him? Yes, I would love to see them build Lars Sullivan up for nine months and then have Brock be that final boss that he has to fight and maybe Brock knocks him down a peg. But then you ruin Lars Sullivan, right? You had Braun Strowman who could have gone over Lesnar and been champion. Instead, they had Lesnar win the title again because they didn't trust Braun. Then they wanted Lesnar in the main event of WrestleMania or, or what we thought would be one of the main events of WrestleMania against Seth Rollins. When I went back to when Jack uh, Crosby, our, our, our fellow co-worker here, had to write this story, I went back to fact check some of the things. And I looked at Brock Lesnar's run with the Universal title. And outside of the one month that Roman Reigns held that title, the dude held it for 23 of 24 months coming off that win of Lesnar of uh, Goldberg in WrestleMania 33. WWE, because Brock Lesnar was on TV, did not build new main event superstars for two calendar years, at least on Raw. And, yet, and, and because of that, anyone that it looked like they were building as a main event superstar got sacrificed ultimately to Brock Lesnar. You're talking about Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns lost to him a couple times, uh, et cetera, okay? So, yes, I love Brock the performer, the wrestler, the uh, promo cutter, um, but I hate Brock Lesnar as booked by Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And unfortunately, the booker for WWE is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So it's difficult for me to get excited for this guy returning, especially knowing already before Money in the Bank, that he's showing up June 7th, I think two weeks later, maybe three, in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, that he's not going to get involved somehow in that pay-per-view, or even if WWE allows AJ Styles to escape with the DQ victory or some other schmas in the, in the main event of that match, that Monday on Raw, he just runs down Seth Rollins and gets another title match at, at whatever they're going to call this Blood Money in the Sand 3 show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Brock's um did I pull the optimism out of you? Did I do a good job? No, no. I mean, look, the optimism is, is dependent upon the booking. We both know that. Uh I mean that you can lose the optimism knowing that Vince is going to have this guy locked up. Brock won't have the same leverage anymore, but maybe he can calculate that leverage. What if Brock starts getting himself tied up in only the shortest deals possible, which he's kind of already been doing between Dana White and UFC and, and Vince for the option to, to float back and forth. He's already doing this. What if he keeps this up? And we, we just think of the idea, okay, he's going to wrestle with WWE until he feels he has enough money to just sit out on that ranch in Saskatchewan forever, okay? And, until he's the, the competitive itch in him is scratched. But I don't know if the competitive itch will ever actually be scratched. I think that's the reason why at 40-41 he keeps wanting to come back to MMA even though he's going to lose. He just loves the idea of a fight and getting ready for it and being challenged. So if this thing starts taking off, and again, this isn't only an AEW take. This is an indie take. This is a third boom period take. What if he starts saying to himself, okay, I'm a special all-time attraction. 
I have Vince by the balls because I know he loves me and he knows that I am one of the rear WWE guys who present real fight. Real, like it's a damn shoot. It looks like every match. What if he starts pushing, positioning himself on six month, three month deals and wants to be that Chris Jericho part-timer who can bounce around and do what he wants. Our buddy Jack Crosby aforementioned mentioned last night, first time I'd ever even thought about it. He's like, what if Brock starts levering this, leveraging this into, into a try at AEW just to try to get the most money out of Vince possible? Like, he already has it next, Vince out, by the way. Like, he's getting stupid money. We already know this. I Adam, mean, yeah, I never where's, where's, cons- there for, where's there for him to go, really? I never yeah. really even considered the idea of him going to AEW as like a, not an FU, but again, a short-term idea to try to get Vince to like give him like 50 million, whatever. I mean, but you know, like that relationship's good. Vince and Brock. But Brock's a businessman at the end of the day. Oh, sure. And and he'll use it as leverage. He'll use any, any agent, because he's not negotiating himself. Any good agent will use any available opportunity as leverage. I mean, that's how it works. I, I don't care so much about that. What I care more about is the idea of, Oh, what if he goes on a part-time schedule? He is on a part-time schedule. When you show up once every six weeks or eight or 12 weeks, you are on a part-time schedule. Well, yeah, I, I my, more on short-term, con- shorter-term contracts. Like being like- My question, wait, let me bring up a better, let me bring up a better topic, in my, at least in my opinion. What if he says to Vince, hey, Vince, you got this SmackDown deal on Fox. Why don't you give me 20 million a year and I'll appear every week on Friday nights? Uh, I don't think Brock wants to appear every week. I think the travel kills him. So I think that's a, it's a non-starter. Is there any question he's on SmackDown come October? I think he should In terms be. of as his main brand, quote unquote. Yeah, he should be there. They want to make a splash there. And unless it depends. I mean, it kind of seems like Vince is running SmackDown now. If, if Vince is going to slide over and do that, but if Vince stays red and stays raw as the, as the, uh, the old standby, then, then I think Brock will go wherever Vince is. But uh, could you pop at the idea of him and Omega? Like it's something I never even considered or thought of. But imagine a Kenny Omega yeah. Brock Lesnar match in any organization. Oh my god! I would love to see that. I'd love to see Lesnar Suzuki Okada. I mean, I'd love to see him against all Lesner, these guys. I went these back, guys are great wrestlers. I went yeah. back uh, last year and watched Lesnar's NJPW run as IWGP Heavyweight Champion, which was short. It was after the failed Minnesota Vikings experiment and before he turned UFC, and he went in there jacked and juiced and fought the stiffest strong style you've ever seen and just throwing people on their heads and no selling everything. God, I want that guy in an non Were one of those, was one of those matches against Nakamura? Uh, yes. Yes, it was. Oh, I should, I should probably watch that. Uh, dude, I, I want that. I want that. I, I, that's what I want. I want Brock right. in just full on roid, no sell mode. I mean, I guess he already does that to a certain degree, but can we give him something that matters? Well, I mean, he think, sells. No, Brock sells. I mean. But look at every Brock build, Adam. It's like so basic. It's like, well, it's Brock, yeah. so it'll sell itself. Him and Rollins was was horrifically handled looking back. Terrible. Terrible. Considering they didn't even mention the cash-in until like the go-home show. That should have been like a tenant of the entire build. It, oh, man, they bungle everything. It's tough. Speaking of bungling everything, we mentioned it briefly. Do you have any additional thoughts on the return to Saudi Arabia at this point? It's just that, like, okay, I'm not going to go high and mighty and be like, we got to go. done it. We, we've had that conversation. We got to go stand on the street corner with the union yes signs and the women need to wrestle that thing. But the reality is it drums all that back up in your mind. And it's if women are not on the show in any form of a match, God, good Lord, you just had women main event WrestleMania. So if they don't force a women's match on here, 
and continue pushing back, then again, I, I don't want to sound like a, a person who's making a stand just to get attention, but I don't want to watch the show. Like, I don't care about it. These shows are in a separate universe. I know that's not true because titles change hands and they, they kind of involve it. But to me, it's a glorified house show on the network, which from the beginning is not for me anyway. So this show is not for me. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to build to it. I want to preview it. I know there's going to be a crossover. I know they're going to make me. And I'm not like a thousand percent abhorred at what they're doing. But if we spell out what they're doing, Adam, it's pretty ridiculous. It's pretty oh, like it's terrible. There's, there's no it's standards terrible. and no class. So F them. Go make your money. Yeah. Don't make me care yeah. about it. Make, make your money. I don't care about it. We will cover it simply because it's our job to. Uh, but other than that, it's really a joke. And yeah, the press release came out. No women's names mentioned. And you know what they could have done, man? They don't have to make a big deal about it. They could have just sent the press release and included like Charlotte Flair, Bailey, and Becky Lynch in the list of names. And everyone would be like, oh, cool. And then moved on, you know? And maybe maybe not been as harsh a little bit. But right, one, one it, more it's just thing a joke. On it. the, 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 the bigger problem, if you care, if you actually care about the show and you're not into the social issues, and, and by the way, if you have that stance, it's fine. You can be about, this could be your release and WWE's just entertainment to you. Then the bastardization of the legends in matches yeah. that they shouldn't be in only for sick money this should not be on the network. We should. I'm. I'm sorry. Like we went through it. We shouldn't have seen Shawn Michaels come back for that match. We shouldn't have seen Taker against like Rusev in a meaningless match last year in the desert. And we shouldn't see Goldberg come back. Goldberg, if he comes back, it should be at Mania against another legend or against a young wrestler who wrestles in his style. And you're passing some kind of torch to see him just straight up try to get in shape for stupid money to put his son through college or buy him a dirt bike. Like I don't want to. I don't want a part of that. Yeah, it's not good. I mean, we'll see probably Taker Elias continuing that storyline after Reigns beats him at Money in the Bank. And I do think we'll see Lesnar involved in the title picture somehow. I don't know what Goldberg's going to do, but hey, if they can hot shut us a good storyline with Goldberg and like Samoa Joe Goldberg or something and put Samoa Joe over, yeah, I'm down for that. I would actually like to see that, but I can't trust that Goldberg's going to do anything of significance at that show. So because of that, who really cares? Um, we do have a lot, despite it being a bad week, we do have a lot of WWE to talk about. I'll bring up the one other non-WWE topic, which I know you're going to shoehorn into the show because you think it's some revolutionary thing that it actually wasn't. Uh, this Cody Rhodes promo uh, previewing his match with Dustin ahead of uh, Double or Nothing. I thought it was very damn good. You went nuts, so tell us why you went nuts. Well, before I go nuts and echo the rest of the world, uh, why was it wasn't? Why was it? I, I, like, I loved it. I didn't think it was some revolutionary promo. There was a part of the promo I thought was great, but the entire thing, I've seen that before. So I don't know why everyone's acting like that hasn't been done. That's all. I, I think it's overblown. I think people are acting like it's freaking brilliant, which it is. So, Adam, here's what it is. It's brother against brother, and we talked about it last week, that we're fired up because the idea of it, and they're going to make the story awesome, and that opening Dustin promo was really good. But we all yes. said, look, you're kind of hot shot in this. It'd be better if you had a story about the brothers pissing each other off or whatever. Well, Adam, they countered that with this promo. They Cody ultimately came out and without saying without saying is like, okay, it's not going to be about I hate my brother because, you know, we don't have the time to do that. And maybe it would be forced because like you said five times in that speech, I don't hate my brother. The idea of making it <laughs> right inst instead about my era against your era and my era 
putting your era to sleep for good because your era keeps getting in the way of my era being loved and represented. And to a degree, it kind of mirrors Cody in WWE. He got to a certain point where he was just a middling, mid-low carter who got pushed down, and every, even though he was in his prime, and every time a big pay-per-view came around, Triple H and other legends were plugging themselves back in. So from that standpoint, it's freaking brilliant. It allows it to be a combative fight without it being, brother, I hate you, you're not part of the family. And for him to bring in sort of the biblical prodigal son aspect was genius in, in sort of saying that promo, I know what son I am, and I'm fine with it. I've come to terms was that, with that. So I'm not, I'm not obviously a Bible guy. Was that I know you're a little bit more religious than me. Uh, was that accurate in terms of like the the comparisons he was using? Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. Right. It was genius. And I'm going to play you a snippet from it. And by the way, some people are like, oh well, you know, uh, I think people are looking at it the wrong way. They're looking at it as the shots he took at Triple H and WWE. I thought they were smart shots. By the way, w- oh, they were great. Triple were H great. called them a pissant during the Hall of Fame speech, and he came right back at them and came right back at the idea of we need to take these old guys and shoot them out back because they're done. What's new is AEW and these new guys. And the one thing you have to say about AEW outside of signing Jericho to bring in some gravitas, it has been all about what's next. It really hasn't been about Cody and the Bucks. It's been more about... If you watch Being the Elite, the Sammy Guevara's, the the MJF's, all those guys, like they're mm. trying to build what's next. Their main title feud is looking like it's Hangman Page and Pac. So they're about what's next. So it's all on brand and it's brilliant. And here's Cody. I, I don't even know how you could have given that disclaimer, that that Silverhead's disclaimer of, oh, it was really good, but it wasn't that good. It was great. No, Adam. I just don't think I don't think it was revolutionary is what I'm saying. People are talking about it like WWE doesn't do promos like that. They don't. Yet. Yeah, they do. They've done it forever. They don't do promos like this. Maybe ahead yes, of Yes, they do. They do it in pay-per-view build. They do major packages like that, such as Brock Lesnar, Samoa Joe. Uh, they do that. They do individual promos, like standing, looking at a camera like that all the time. It's just because it wasn't WWE, people are like, oh, my God, this is a revolutionary thing that's never been done before. Right. I don't think anyone's uh, yeah, coming at done it from a revolutionary thing, meaning no one stood in front of a camera. Like, you're, you're really looking at it from the wrong way. The promo itself was great. I don't think the style was any... Meltzer came out and goes, and goes uh, this promo will make WWE's promos obsolete. WWE cuts promos like this. They don't do it every day on TV, but this isn't every day Adam, on TV either. There was either. a level of brilliance in this promo, like a lot great. of dots being connected. There's not, there's not that type of depth in WWE. I get what you're saying that ahead of a big pay-per-view, we get some sort of fourth wall removal promos like Triple H calling out Dave. All that stuff was brilliant. This felt next level. It's not revo- they're not reinventing something. It's not revolutionary. It's revolutionary from the idea that AEW is coming as the revolution. That's the only thing I'm not revolutionary saying, about. Uh, but I'm not saying you're holding that contention. I'm saying other people are holding that contention. Man, I love this Th- this this heel turn, Adam on melts right now. This 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 is great. This it's not a heel turn. The guy literally look. I don't hate him. The guy literally tweeted, "This will make WWE's promos obsolete." It's like, well, do you think that Cody's going to cut every single promo for? AEW on every single like do you think that that's going to be the promo style for everything on TV? No, of course not. It's a joke. So people are taking this. I thought it was a great promo, but no one can allow anything to be great in itself. It always has to be like, well, compared to WWE's promo style, this blew it out of the park. Well, yeah, WWE doesn't cut every promo like Cody did. It was a great promo. He kicked ass and go ahead and play the part you want to play because I'm sure it's great. Hey, is is Melt's compromised to the point that we can't take his 
his takes on AEW serious because he's so in bed with them and he can't report certain things because he's like on the inside? Like the fact that he knows there's multiple companies competing over a potential TV deal and won't say which ones they are. Yeah, I think he is compromised by it. And I'm not a Meltzer critic. I don't sit here and and crap on him or any real, you know, no, actual put him over pro wrestling turns. Any pro legitimate pro wrestling journalist. I, I praise this Mike Johnson, the PW Insider. I think he's great. I think Meltzer reports very accurately and gets a bad rap by a lot of people. But in terms of AEW and his opinions on them, like, yeah, it feels real compromised to me. And it's strange that few people are noticing that. All right, all right. I love this honesty about Melt. So you're Silver King. Play this promo. Though, sure all right, now. it's time for Cody. Cody, what, wait, what, what would Cody say about me that time? One of the best guys you'll ever meet. Huge hog. But I appreciate that, Cody. I appreciate that. When your wife, asked, of the earth. When your wife asked me, I'm all in. Are you all in? Bro? I was all in, Brandon. Uh, uh, come on, Brandon. You can't talk over me when I do that. Come on. Uh, well, I was just trying to point out to Cody that uh, despite the awkwardness of his wife asking me that question that may compromise the relationship, I'm all in on all of the above, Brandy, and I was uh, all in on this promo this week, uh, Cody. Play the promo, Brian, yeah. This notion of brother versus brother, of, of natural versus nightmare, it's all very marketable, it's all very romantic, albeit not very accurate. What's accurate is that this match is generation versus generation. I am not here to kill Dustin Rhodes. I'm here to kill the Attitude Era. My entire lot, my whole class of peers, has been compared to these gilded late 90s through the early 2000s for over a decade, and it's an utter sham. Sure. You paved the roads for us, but gosh, you set the speed markers at 35 because you are terrified of any of us putting our foot down on the pedal. You mean to tell me some pissant bodybuilder making every match a no DQ, meandering around the crowd, throwing the jib cam at his opponent, compares with a Kenny Okada match? Or some brawl and panty spectacular can match up with what the women did last September 1st. Or even Dwayne, as electric as it was, rhyming and raising. Was it really better than what Punk said sitting on that stage? <laughs> Listen, I am the least Rhodes of the Rhodes. But they gave me a pair of boots. I've got the basics. When you do something to death, when you ride something to death, that's literally what happens. When that animal can't go anymore and it falls out on the trail and you can feel the tension in its eyes, in its fluttered breaths of panic and it knows it's going to die and it wants to die. You don't just leave it because you love it. You pull from the hip. You roll your fingers on the steel of the chamber. You pull the hammer back. You do not anticipate the recoil, and you blow it away. Wow. Wow. You know what? Wow. Uh, sometimes you got to take the L. I was wrong, Adam. Meltzer was right. 
because WWE may break the fourth wall and rip people in promos, but they don't have the depth of that. They don't have the symbolism in that. He's saying, I love Dustin so much, he's my brother, but Dustin is asking to be put out to pasture, and I'm the one who's going to take him out back and shoot him, not to kill Dustin, but to kill that era that is still holding us back. That's freaking brilliant, and in that, to get thinly but subtle and perfect jabs at WWE, back for that Hall of Fame ceremony comment, back for how he was treated, everything about that, from the delivery to him fake crying in the middle of it, was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was a fantastic promo and incredible. I mean, it was awesome. The point is, not every promo can be or will be that. It's it's impossible because it's a perfect promo for the perfect story for the perfect match, and it's going to be good. Um, the, so your the problem take is, is, hey, a, hey, potential AEW fans, listen to the show. This here is the Silver King. That promo may have been perfection, but good luck AEW backing it up with any more. That was a one-time Not AEW, only. anyone. No, there's no way for the Sammy G, uh, who's the other guy, MJF match that's eventually going to happen. That that That's going to be the promo style. I mean, what are you talking about? We don't know. It's the whole point happen, is, Adam, we don't know, and you're already silver shitting on it. We don't even know, I'm bro. not talking about you. I'm not talking about you, Brian. I'm talking about the comments from others that came out when the promo was released, people blow th- – pl- just because something's great there doesn't mean it's going to be the same exact way for every single program. It's not going to happen. Cody can't cut every promo. He can't write every promo either, and they're not going to film them all the same way. Not going to happen. But A, no one said that. B, they yes, got other they people did. that can cut Dave promos Meltzer there. Said that. Dave Meltzer said if this is how AEW is going to do promos, it will make WWE's obsolete. That's what he said. Yes, Not all of their promos are going to be that. But up to this point, Adam, we haven't seen their promos, so let's give it a chance and watch what happens. Maybe all their promos are of a new style, but you have to crap on everything before you see it because you I'm just want to ruin everything. I'm not crapping on anything. It's great. I'm crapping on So the instead of celebrating that it's by- great, you got to say that it, it won't last. I did celebrate that it's great. I said it's great that he craps on Triple H and he throws the no DQ line in there. I love it. It's a great promo. I'm giving a different take than you, who's praising it, saying, yes, Brian, you are right. Yes. But also, the people who are crapping, or or not crapping on it, the people who are saying this is going to make WWE's promos obsolete are being ridiculous. I'm adding additional context and layers to our conversation. It's not hard to understand. You're staying on brand, at least. It's very, very silver take. I stay of you. on brand. You stay on brand. It's very, very silver take of you. Speaking right. of Adam, Let's... and speaking of him getting angry, Adam, this wasn't scheduled, but it may be time to take you to court. And here we go. You can't handle the truth. It's no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit. You must acquit. Son, my turn. Adam, I have received multiple DMs this week from people not connected to this man, but they found out about it, calling you out for your Twitter uh, etiquette, the way you handle yourself. It's time to take you to trial here from our listeners, not from me. I'm the middleman. I'm a facilitator. 
but we know you have had feuds with the likes of Thomas Jordan Sutton, Bob Backlund at TalkBox, which has led to blockage. I have been found through pictures DM to me that you have a new feud that just started with one Matthew Sigelka at Big Sexy 2710, and that's triple X and sexy, and that he is now blocked, Adam. True or false? True. Why? I wanted to. Longtime listener of our show. Supporter. Yeah, no. Shouldn't be an a-hole on Twitter. He told you, he called you out for live tweeting, which goes yeah, against incorrectly. the incorrectly. Incorrectly. All right. Do you want to defend yourself in the light of our listeners? Suck it. One unnamed listener DM me and said, quote, another loyal ITC and SOC good brother bites the dust due to a Silver King block. What is this world coming to? Triple question mark. Following me on Twitter is a privilege, not a right. All right, folks, you heard that at Silverstein Adam DMs are closed. If he doesn't want you to follow him, he will block you. Absolutely. Every time. But you are zero to block in less than three seconds. And I think. No, I, no, 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 no. I give I give full opportunity. Full opportunity to remove foot, feet from mouths. And uh, when it's not when it doesn't happen or when it is gets insulting, then a, then a block comes. But wasn't this man right? Why was this man wrong to call you out for live tweeting Game of Thrones when you say because you're allowed to live tweet as long as you don't give spoilers. That's my that's my standard rule. That's what I always say. He's claiming that you were spoiling storylines. I don't watch the show. I don't He's, care. I know. He he was wrong. He persisted. He insulted me. I blocked him. I don't need to go over my my Twitter etiquette or or decision making on this show. I, I don't understand right. why this is an issue. Right. I'm allowed to it's my account. It's not our state of combat account. I don't block anyone on the state of combat account. You can tweet that account all you want. I primarily run it. I'll answer you if I feel like it. I won't if I don't. Also all you know, that's that's that account. Silverstein Adam, personal Twitter account, personal opinions, personal thoughts, block whoever the hell I want. You heard that, man. You heard that, fans. He's a man of the people. We, we, we gave, I, I was a facilitator to give Matthew Sigelka, however you pronounce that, a chance, but um, you're blocked, Matthew. Yeah. Will this feud continue, Adam? Or is this. Well, no, I, it's, it may not be permanent. Look, people don't get permanent blocks. They usually unblock people, but. Then they make them permanent eventually. So are people so. not allowed to disagree with you, or they're just not allowed they, to? I, they, I argue with people all the time, very respectfully, different opinions. It's great. It's when you insult me. That's the problem. All right. There you have it, folks. All you people that have DM'd me, they must be his friends. They're DMing me saying, you got to do something about this. Oh, I'm sure it's a swarm of people. Yeah. It, it was. It was. It was, to be honest with you. Yeah. They, they so there's a hand. lot. There's a lot, BC, that we still need to talk about. I know you have a short amount of time. I think we would be remiss if actually talking about WWE product this week, we didn't start with Firefly Funhouse, though. I know a lot of people liked round two of this. I didn't. I didn't. It didn't. Round one, the first episode of this last week. And by the way, playing it on both shows, I think, is lame. And playing it on SmackDown and then having like live crowd reactions of people who have already seen it the night before. And they're just standing there like, uh... So it was fresh and new, and obviously it's, there's still time to, to go in many directions, good or bad, with it. So I'm not crapping on it. I'm saying episode one was so left field, take a chance, 
and it was underwritten by the, 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 the core of what this is, an evil man pretending that he's changed, pretending to lure in children to listen to him and learn from him, and he can be their light when he's constantly teasing darkness and evil. And that's the Bray Wyatt character. He, he builds a cult following. It's brilliant, perfect. You don't know that he's pretending, though. True. But round two, it was lame. So round two, the crux of it is that this angry doll, which last week had a different name, and this week it's Abby, like Sister Same Abigail. Name. Same name last week. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. It had a different name the first week. It was the witch. It was the witch named Abby. No, it's, I got to it was check my recap last week. It was a different name, and somebody DM me about the name change. I forgot who it was. You, you may have heard it. it wrong. It was definitely Abby, 100%. And so here's what's lame. Look, we've been waiting forever for Sister Abigail to eventually be a thing. Could it be Nikki Cross? Could it be anybody? Could it be a person one day? It's Bray's voice dubbed in there. And that was lame. And the whole crux of this segment was angry Abigail the puppet woke up and yelled at Bray for being too happy. I'm just saying it didn't have any of the smartness and creativity of the first one. It instead was lame, and now I'm like, where are we going with this? Look, it's, it's you early. don't think word of the day being sociopath and him painting the prayer shack with Randy Orton standing outside of it as it's burning down, you don't think that had the same layers as the first one? And him stopping while he's being happy and like pausing, hearing something, and then asking to to be let in, you don't think that? I mean, I thought it was exactly the same. No, I, I, I didn't as, love it. I'm not against you if you liked it. I it, it didn't it didn't hit me. It didn't. So I, I thought it was I thought it was just as good. And a lot of people are rushing to the conclusion, and they may be right, and it is simplistic, but that he's in the prayer shack, that he rebuilt it, and he's in it, and he's having this episode, and and that's what this is. But what I like in this tool, and I, I tease this on Twitter a little bit, anyone who watches Mr. Robot on USA Network, and I don't know if you do BC, but anyone who watches that knows that. Elliot conjured up, the main character of the show, conjured up, and this is a spoiler alert if you were planning to watch the show and you haven't watched it, it's in its third season, so I would hope you did. So spoiler alert, you can fast forward 60 seconds. Elliot conjured up this alternate reality to take himself out of his circumstances that he was in. And it's almost kind of leading me to believe that rather than being in the prayer shack, Bray's in like a psychiatric hospital where they're working on him and trying to heal him from all of these thoughts that he had, thinking he's a god and all this stuff. And he referenced that in the first one. And instead of conjuring up, like, being outside or something like that, he's created this fantasy world of a children's television show, and he's actually in a padded cell. And the paintings are paintings that he's made while he's there, uh, trying to remember or stop remembering these incidents from his life. So... I think there's multiple layers to it, and I could be wrong, and I could be overthinking it. Um, but to me, it's the best thing WWE is doing during a time where they they are putting out a lot of crap. And I thought this week just simply continued what they did last week, and it was very, very well done. Yeah, I, I may have missed that. I may have not heard Jimmy there, and if that's the case, I take the L and move on. If that's if you nailed it, then that's that's better. I, I was really turned off by Bray's voice coming out of Sister Abigail. To be honest with you. Well, name. he's always been the voice, though. I know, but we she's never been a person. But we she's haven't. A, he hasn't had a, a puppet that was talking to him, though. So when it's a, 
when it's a puppet talking to him and it's obviously his voice and you could use any other voice. You can bring in Ole Anderson, the voice of the damn, uh, uh, what's the guy who fell through the wall? Uh, you know what I'm talking about, the, with, the, with the Star Wars mask. With the helmet? Yeah, I forgot what it's called, but yeah. The Shockmaster. You could bring in Oli to be the voice of the damn Shockmaster and it'd be better than that. That's what turned me off, maybe. But, look, but wasn't he, wasn't Bray also the rabbit and wasn't he also the buzzard? So it's all him. Yeah, that's I'd, the I'd, point. I'd, I would like those people to turn into actual people, you know? The ideas we yeah. had for Eric Young, Bo Dallas, but no, apparently not. And by the it way, would be great. It would be great if Bo Dallas was part of this. And shout out to the, the Good Brothers being back on TV on the same brand as AJ. So. If Brock doesn't run in, the Good Brothers will. And I would be down with that, even though it would be a rehash of the Cena 2016 angle. But, Adam, we're going to talk WWE now. And we've had a lot of angry people. I want to give them a couple chances to speak. Uh, your buddy Tommy Wrestling, at Tommy underscore takeover. Did he, did he slow down a bit on the tweets this week? I don't know. He's muted. so And not blocked. Oh, muted. Wow. Just It's been too. The truth, it was too much. The truth is out. Wow. He says, BC, the word of too the much. week for WWE was catastrophe. Some of the laziest shows in recent memory from the underwhelming MITB announcements to the tropish way they booked the matches. In particular, Bliss and Naomi was a brutal match. I am not a hashtag revolution guy, says Tommy. But damn, I might. I might be all in for a change. Finally, a question for you guys. Adam, I'll point this at you. When should we pull the plug on Lars Sullivan? And why is the only correct answer immediately? This week we saw Lars do the same thing he always does, beat up the Hardys and our truth And I know that there was a little wrinkle of the Hardys dropping the SmackDown tag belts, but it wasn't like this introduced a nice. Matt Hardy-Lars feud. This was the same crap again. Yeah, I mean, I listen, I know you disagreed with me strongly but I held that they never should have brought him up because he would be an immediate failure on the main roster. I believe I said akin to the vaudevillains. Uh, he's not main roster caliber. Uh, they've ruined his look in terms of they used to have like that spotlight on him that showed the hair standing up on his body and they made him look like an actual freak in NXT. And now he just walks out to the ring with a low camera angle pointing up at him to make him look bigger than he is. Um, his move set sucks. He has no mic skills. Um, he can Maybe work. if they had, he can really work, but they won't. He can work. Chance. He can work, but his move, but he doesn't have moves though. He just can bump well, and he's a big guy, so he can do impressive things. Um, whereas you have a guy like Killian Dane, who apparently reportedly is down back at NXT, who I don't know that he has mic skills either, but he can do everything that Lars can do and more in terms of in the ring and and being a foreboding persona. So um, yeah, I, I would have pulled. I never would have brought him up, so I would have pulled the plug before it was even alive. Uh, maybe if the thing with John Cena had worked out at WrestleMania, if that plan had worked, maybe I'm better. talking different. I mean, God, maybe. God, remember, I mean, we talk about Fandango going over Jericho at Mania. I wonder if Lars going over John Cena would either have changed what we feel now, or would we still five years from now go, remember that time Cena put over Lars at Mania? I mean, we're heading in that direction now. I think we, I think we are. All that right, Fandango I got, I got put over was ridiculous. Complaint DM from Pat. At P underscore SKYZ. He's a newcomer, Adam. I've never heard of this guy. You? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. All right. Welcome to the family, Pat. He says, Robert Roode defeated Ricochet last week, and look where they are this week. Robert Roode's off the show, and Rick O'Shea is in the Money in the Bank ladder match. There is absolutely zero respect for my time investment in this product. Adam, I'm not going to ask you to defend that because you agree. But oh yeah, uh, can you comment both from Robert Root through the announcement of the men's and women's MITB fields. 
Oh, that's a beautiful setup because I want to go off on this. And if you think I've been critical so far on this show, there's no more critical I'm going to be than on this. Uh, Robert Roode, I have no issue whatsoever with him being off the show. Cesaro wasn't on the show either. When you have rosters this size, not everyone can be on TV every single week. And I have no issue with rotating storylines and personnel in the mid card and low card. The, the point, though, the key is rotate them. Don't have them show up and then not have them show up for three or four weeks. If those guys are back next week, it's totally fine. But if they don't show up for another six weeks, that's where the problem is. So I'm okay with them being off one week. People are like forgetting Braun wasn't on TV for two weeks. Like not everyone can be on every week. You got different stories to tell. That said, his point is correct. The fact that you have Rude go over Ricochet and don't have either both of them in the field or Rude in the field, considering he won, is a joke. But what's even a greater joke is the fact that they inter- interdu- introduced the 16 competitors, eight male, eight female in these matches, by just announcing them. And on Raw, it was even worse somehow than it was on SmackDown because it was this normal trope of, on this week's show, we're going to announce the four competitors in Money in the Bank, and Alexa Bliss walks to the ring, says one name. They take the mic, cut a quick promo, get interrupted by her saying the next name, walk to the ring, grab the mic, cut a quick promo, do that four times, and then one of them just happens to insult one of the other ones, and it's a tag team match. And there we go. And the faces go over with the worst competitor of the four in the ring, taking the fall, taking finishers from both of the faces. It is the most ridiculous, consistent trope that WWE does. It was pathetic. The fact that Braun and Baron Corbin are in this match, two guys who have won it before and who were disastrous. I think they were the last two winners consecutively. Neither of them cashed in successfully. Why the hell are they in this match? Neither of them should be here, okay? So you look at the four from Raw, Strowman, Ricochet, McIntyre, and Corbin. It's like a a C-. minus. Look at the four from SmackDown. Balor, Ali, Andrade, Orton. It's like a B plus because you don't need Orton in there either. He's already won before also. How hard is it? Look, look, you you can make the argument with me that qualifying matches are just as much of a trope. And I would kind of agree with you in some ways. Yeah, having eight guys have four matches and, and, you know, on each show and four guys win. That's been done before. So you know what? And I'm literally just coming up with this now. Why don't you do something different? Why don't you have Triple H come up to the ring on Monday night and say, look, this is one of the most important matches we have in WWE each year. The winner of this match has an almost guaranteed chance at being the new Universal or WWE champion. So here's what we're going to do. Every singles performer who is not a champion on Raw will have an opportunity to be in this match. Over the next two weeks, we will have a series of matches, all of them different, and the winners will get the four spots from the Raw side in Men's Money in the Bank. We're going to have a battle royal. We're going to have an elimination match. We're going to have a fatal four-way, and we're going to have a one-on-one match for the final spot. We're going to run these over the next two weeks. This is why you need to tune into Raw on Monday nights. They kind of guess what I'm doing. That. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Make the matches matter. You know what I'm doing, Brian? I'm tuning into Raw on Monday nights. I want to see who gets in. And yeah, Strowman can probably win one of those. He'll win the Battle Royal. And you can have the same four guys win. And maybe at the end, you're like, oh, man, I wish Bobby Roode or Robert Roode was in there. Or man, I really wish Cesaro or Cedric Alexander got got the opportunity. But you're having me invested in watching. What the hell are they going to do over the next two weeks on Raw? I don't care about anything. 
it's it's so just unplanned. That's all. It's all haphazard and unplanned and unconnected. By the way, how many people have we noticed? I'm reading these DMs are been like, "Sorry, BC, I'm not a revolution guy, but I'm starting to get it because I'm so frustrated." There's a lot of blind, die-hard WWE fans that listen to us, and even they're getting frustrated. And Adam, I'm not just like nitpicking one or two DMs. I got like 40 something of that are all saying the same exact thing. Here's one more for you. You know, Mike Kruglio, you've heard that guy at Mike Kruglio says, I'm sorry for flooding your damn DMs every week, but BC, when will the laziness end? I was never one to be all about the revolution. Another guy, but I've never been more ready for it. WWE is letting me down every week with the lazy booking and inconsistencies. Can't we get some play in matches? Why do we have to throw a lame-ass storyline involving body hair for two of the best tag teams in the world who can just carry a program on wrestling and mic work alone? All I can say is, thank God for the Firefly Funhouse until they drop the ball with that too. Talk me off the ledge here. Adam, talk Mike off. Talk him. Well, no, because that's the thing. He's so right. Like, long-term storytelling, as much as we are, you know, rail against them for not doing it, it is legitimately difficult. Continuity is legitimately difficult, especially in a sports entertainment aspect where people get hurt, plans do change, fans get behind different people. That's all very hard, and we want WWE to be good good with that. But there's no exception for being bad at short-term storytelling. And this is the ultimate short-term storytelling. You have four weeks into a pay-per-view, one of your big five, and for the signature match of the show, You're just shrugging and putting people in with no rhyme or reason. They didn't even come out and say, hey, Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman, you guys are in the match because you're the last two winners and you deserve the opportunity. And then you would kind of want want them to say, Robert Roode, you beat Ricochet last week. You earned a spot, and we have one spot left, and let's Wins do something don't with matter. it. We know this. It's it's BS. And and I got one more for you that's interesting from B underscore man underscore LD. Again, new people flying in at us, but they're pissed off. He says, guys, what did I just watch? Once again, another awful week of Raw. We saw yet again another boring pull-apart brawl, another contract signing that ends in a table spot, and two repeat segments of let me just announce all the MITB instead of doing actual matches. Oh, and let us not forget a horrible attempt at rapping. Leave it to our truth there, Oos. How do these people sit there in gorilla watching and think this is good? There is no effort whatsoever to even try here. Get this crap off my TV and away from me. I never thought I would get to this point where I could actually care less. If I just watch the highlights anymore, it's not worth my time to invest. The only saving grace was Firefly Funhouse. The rest, nope. You guys rock. Keep it up. Adam, it's ad nauseum now. It's the same damn thing. I'm doing that for a reason to show you that even our diehards, the people that come at me and say, you're being too harsh. You care too much about these indies. Stop. Go take your Red and Black Wolfpack podcast. We'll stay here with Adam. These people don't want to stay here anymore, Adam. I I actually disagree about the Becky Lacey Evans. I thought thought the third hour of Raw was... Above average. I thought it was pretty good. And I thought that segment in particular and Becky on both shows, I thought was very good. Not great. I don't want to use the word great, but I thought she was very good this week. Um, But there's no excuse for the Usos who are amazing on the mic to come out screaming to the ring. Production screws up, stops their music, restarts it. And you have them on the mics and it's so unacceptable because it's so unnecessary. And then you don't have them cut a promo, which is what they're good at. So if they're hyped coming to the ring and doing this terrible rap over their already wordy lyrics. You know, like when R-Truth does the rap, he's not rapping over himself. 
he's rapping over a track, right? So if you want the Usos to do that, I'm okay with it. Have them do it over an instrumental. But And then you don't have him cut a promo, and they totally bungled that. Um, he said everything else. Everything else was true. The matches were terrible for the most part on these shows. It's just horribly unacceptable. You have Shane McMahon now on both shows now. <laughs> and he has an issue with Roman, which is understandable because of what he did to Vince. But he's on SmackDown, and he's also on Raw, still continuing his Miz feud. Um, Reigns and the B-team. The B-team randomly shows up. The Superstar shakeup continues for a third week, as you mentioned off the top. Like, what the hell is this? This is this is the real usage of your clip. Get all this crap out of the ring. Yeah, what is all no, this crap in the ring? Right. Um, look, the, Ray, the Rollins-AJ thing was fine. It was entertaining. You nailed it the last hour there. Agreed. Of Raw. I mean, it was tropey, but it was fine. It, they're stars. And I think, uh, like I said, when two baby faces come together, the, the good thing about it is they're both allowed to act like heels because somebody has to. AJ's clearly acting like a heel. I hope it leads to Gallows and Anderson coming together. Also, uh, the Shane thing, I, I, I think the Miz thing needs to end. It was good heading up to, into Mania. I know they left a finish that sort of keeps the door open. I need that to end. Shane's good uh, in... And the idea, uh, look, the the Reigns match, the handicap match, had no business being as entertaining as it was. I'll give them credit. Yeah. They tried with the false finishes. And, and Reigns got over big. He did. So that was success on something that shouldn't have worked. Shane helping out Elias is actually good because he's so good as a dastardly heel protecting the authority. The problem is... This should be Elias's moment. He hasn't had a feud in so long. We know he's not going to go over Reigns, but he should be pushed as a legitimate solo badass heel who's worthy of this level. And I think too much Shane waters him down and makes him just seem like an authority, like, uh, you know, mid, mid-level mid jobber guy. It makes him seem like and, a, a thug. And Elias is about to eat a pin from Reigns and then turn around three weeks later and eat a pin from The Undertaker, most yeah. likely. And so, then, so to go even further, look, SmackDown bookended the episode with Kofi and KO. KO was damn brilliant on the microphone, okay? He carried that. I like that they bookended a a two-hour show with that because that feud outside of what's going on with Becky should matter the most on SmackDown. It's for the WWE Championship. But tell me if I either got worked here or if I'm right. They've eliminated the two New Day members. Uh, Biggie is legit hurt. They've storyline hurt Woods. And I know they're doing that to make it easy to have them lose the belt without friends and protection to KO. Title, or at least make it more likely, or make you think it's going to happen. But KO being so brilliant and saying, look, I know you won the championship, that's great, but here's the deal, there's too much pressure on you to carry the belt, you are a B-plus player, you're not not a real champion, that whole thing. The problem is, he's actually right, Adam. Without the New Day behind Kofi from an entertainment standpoint to fill in the blanks that he can't do personally, I think this week, tell me if I'm wrong, that closing segment... Although it was well handled because it's about a B if we're going to rate it because KO is KO and he was great. Kofi's not a leading man. I mean, like, there was well, a reason why not, he never... He was, not, he was not built into being a leading man. Right, but there's a reason why he never had his mountaintop moment. So even though he did at Mania and it was great, a percentage of that was because... WWE was so behind on elevating African-American wrestlers who deserve it. And I'm not saying that Kofi only got this chance because of that. Kofi's been a great veteran. But I've never personally considered Kofi title material. In the end, they told a great all-time story that touched us. But he wasn't going to last long with the belt, and he's probably not going to have it through running the bank. But I almost feel like this week exposed that. 
him trying to be a tough guy, him standing on the corner screaming at KO in the crowd, I just wasn't feeling it. There's something missing there. And maybe that's either done on purpose to make the the fall easier when he loses the title, but I felt like they accidentally spelled out what KO was trying to tell you there. That well, no, I mean, what, K- what, KO said, what, what KO said was true, and sorry to interrupt you, but um, that's the fault of WWE because of the way they've booked this guy for 11 years. You can turn anyone into a main eventer. They made Jinder Mahal a main eventer, and it wasn't believable at the start, but it was at the end because they, they allowed it. They gave him a presence and they gave him a group and, and they built him up and he got big wins, even though they were all schmas and whatever. They, they built him up to be like, wow, this is a main, this, they made this guy a main eventer in WWE. Kofi Kingston had an 11 year career where he was mostly treated like a B plus or worse player who was a spot um, guy in uh, rumble matches. And you knew that it was coming every year. He was always in money in the banks. A match that, given his athleticism and talent, he should have won once or twice, but he never did because WWE never wanted to give him a title opportunity. So we have 11 years of them telling us Kofi is not good enough to be in the main event. And then you have a guy in KO coming out and saying, hey, Kofi, you've never proven that you're actually good enough to be in this position. And it's totally true. So I thought the promo was good because it rang home true. And they did their best to make Kofi look strong at the end of the show. It actually brings me into another topic well, I was going to bring up with you. Did you get my point, though? Is that I didn't think he actually looked strong, so I think KO was right. Well, that brings me to another point, and I'm curious what you think about this. Kofi's actually received a significant amount of criticism from two people, superstar Billy Graham and JR. JR has come out and said, Kofi doesn't look strong, he's not believable as champion, and won't be. Superstar Billy Graham came out, he addressed strong from a different avenue, he thinks Kofi should go on steroids. So why don't you tell me what your what your thoughts are about well, those two takes? Look, it's always a slippery slope when you get, and I'm not I'm not implying racism here, but when you get two old guys from another era and they're both white, and you're talking about some small black guy wearing the title, yeah, look, there's some crossover issues there. But look, I, yeah, I agree. He, it, it's not working. I, it was a great story to be told. I think the spinoff story could have been the New Day imploding for a short season. They're not going that way. I like stripping him of his brethren from the idea that it makes it understandable that he would lose the title after such a big moment. But KO was right. A little guy, it's not, he can't, he's not a great talker. It's a great dude, but it's exposing that you can't keep the title on him long because uh, he, I think he's a good enough promo. No, he can give you the inspirational promo, but the problem is they're doing that every time. And if he doesn't have the new day around him, look, the stars of the new day, are Biggie and Xavier. Both guys would be more believable and would go further with singles pushes. Kofi well, gives Biggie, the, Biggie Kofi yeah. gives the legitimacy, he gives the veteran presence, and he's the high flyer of the group. And I'm not saying he's a bad worker, he's fantastic. But Xavier, I think, is a much better wrestler and better talker and funnier and could go further on his own if he wanted to. And we all know Biggie is a star waiting to bust out. Uh, better talker in every way. Yes, not a better wrestler than Kofi. Oh, Xavier Woods is a better wrestler than Kofi. By he's very far. good. He can do two styles. He could do he could do a stronger Matt style, and he can also do the same aerial moves. So he's a he's he's I, he's yeah. new school. Where Kofi's from the Cody era. It's three star Kofi. A, I'm, all right. I'm not agreeing with that. Um, real quick before there's a couple other things I wanted to bring up with you, but real quick since we mentioned Money in the Bank, we only talked about the men. Real quick. How dare they put Dana Brooke and Natalia in this match? Like, you have Ruby there. You have Sarah Logan. You have Liv Morgan on the no, SmackDown I, I, side. 
Uh, all right, Come the on. Natalia stuff is just retread, but I'm fine on Dana Brooke because they're they're doing something. They're they're giving her something to work with. It's the Ryan. Those thing. promos were horrible. I know, but here's the thing: she got into really good shape. She's she, I mean, look. She, to be honest, we don't talk about this a lot, but she had put on a lot of weight. She hadn't been. The, if you go back and look at her NXT debut, she was ripped. She was a different type of athlete. She's been not the best performer. I'll give her credit. She got into great shape. When Jinder got in great shape, Vince responds. So they're giving her something. I always like when you've got one of the eight is sort of that underdog, like our truth in a ladder match at well, WrestleMania 31. I'm fine with it. Natalia's retread. Come on. I, I'm okay with Dana in theory being in the match. Let's also not forget she lost her fiance, like suddenly and unexpectedly. So the fact that she's worked her way back into this position, by the way, like, and this is not a criticism or a, a statement. She looks like she looks literally face facial wise, like a totally different person than she did in NXT. And I don't know what that is and why it's happening. She is. It's contouring. She's, she's gotten work done. We don't need to comment on it. So, stuff's happened. I'm just saying person. it's, it's weird. It's, it's, uh, it's surprising, I guess is the best way I can put it. But beyond that though, um, I'm okay with like her earning her way into the match, but you can't tell me she like deserves to be in the match when they're just announcing names no, over it's, like it's, a Ruby riot. Although Ruby loses all, because they all jobbed for Ronda forever. Yeah. And you're um, breaking and up then the Riot Squad for no reason. It's all BS. But the whole point, the whole point is you're trying to put over new superstars and you you need to replenish this women's division now that maybe Sasha is gone, maybe she's not, whatever. But you that you know Becky is in this mountaintop spot. You know Charlotte's up there. Ronda's gone, so you need to fill in all those other spaces. And you have an opportunity to like put Ruby in, put Liv in, and, and create some new stars. And instead, and no offense to Carmella too, I think she's much improved. But you have Carmella and Natalia in this match, and it's just like, what do yeah. you like Natalia especially? Come on, yeah, and not, you know I love it, Natalia. I give her credit Nina in there. Yeah, um, I got a question. We got to roll and get out of here, but I have one more DM that I want you to answer. It's interesting. This, this guy's he's, he's he's trying here from Maestro at Maestro twenty five. He's going for it here. He says I have to vent a little. As the raw female participants for Money in the Bank was revealed, I came to the conclusion that I'm tired of gender equality when it comes to Money in the Bank ladder matches. For years, MITB was one of the best pay-per-views because it had two men's ladder matches, some Raw and SmackDown. The roster is so packed right now, it could easily support two Money in the Bank matches from each show, and then two guys would have a briefcase giving them a big push and storylines going forward, just like it used to be. Who wouldn't rather have two four-star ladder matches than one good ladder match and one mediocre one? The women have more championships than ever before. Let them fight over those and not take up a coveted spot. That requires a certain level of high-flying athleticism and brutality that most of WWE women do not have. P.S. This is my first DM ever. Love the show, and I eagerly await each episode. Maestro, thank you for joining. Now, Adam, look, right away you could look at that and go, wow, what a sexist take, blah, blah, blah. This guy hates women. I mean, it kind of is. Make me a sandwich, you know, all that stuff. But let's take it at face value for what he's saying. We're giving women equality, which they deserve. But is that watering down these cards because inevitably a women's elimination chamber or money in the bank or Royal Rumble match will not be as good as the men. So it will sort of dilute the impact of the match. Now he's adding he's he's advocating for two men's matches, which you can argue already did the same thing in terms of dilution. But is it fair to make that statement in this gender equal era if you if you're of the belief that the women's matches are not on par? No, because I don't believe it's true. Like the the women's elimination chamber match was damn good. Uh, the TLC match with the women was damn good. The first women's Royal Rumble was damn good. Um, the women's Money in the Bank ladder matches weren't great, but let's not forget 
They've only had one, and it was terribly booked with James Ellsworth winning. So, like, yeah. that's it's it's booking. It's not necessarily the women. Look, take Natalia out of the match. Put in Ruby Riot. Take Carmella out of the match. Put in Liv Morgan, or put in let's make sure make believe she was active and everything's fine. Sasha Banks and, and Charlotte Flair in this match. You're telling me that's not going to be a damn good match? Of course it is. The problem is that last year WWE ran two ladder ma- uh, two Money in the Bank ladder matches. What were the results? Alexa Bliss won, cashed in that night. That one was gone. Braun Strowman won, cashed in at the next Saudi Arabia show, and lost. And it was a planned cash, and it wasn't a surprise. So what WWE needs to do is utilize this one tool that they created and lucked into that is a surprise fun catalyst as part of their product and use it as a surprise fun catalyst. Have Andrade win this title and cat and surprise Owens or Kofi and cash it in three months down the line. Have Mandy Rose win and be a new women's champion on one of the brands. Have Mandy Rose win and cash it in that night if you really want to on Becky after she beat Charlotte. Take advantage of a prone Becky. Put the t- a new title on a new person on SmackDown and start something fun. Put Asuka in this match. Put Kyrie Sane in yeah, this match. I'll agree There's a the, million things they could have done to make it good. I, I think you're right. And I think you're right on the part that the women's matches actually haven't been that bad. So even if you're of the st- standpoint where you're not completely on this women's revolution train, even if you're sexist, but hey, Maestro, he tried. I'll give him, I'll give him credit. It was, it was I'm not little... calling him sexist. I understand what he's saying. He's saying, look, one generally is more entertaining than the other. And right. that's not unfair. There is a larger men's roster. That's totally fair, but they're also not doing a good job with like booking that yeah, match. You nailed it. Don't don't rehash. Uh, we got to get out of here. I got Canelo's calling me, but I didn't want to end with just straight hour and a half of crap on WWE. We have seen some good things. I got two more DMs to get us out of here, in which people are challenging us and saying, no, you may have missed. WWE's better than you think. I want to hit you up from Billy Habibi. You know B. Habibi 44. We've been up and down the road with this fellow. He was a Rushmore consideration. He says, BC, you know I've been down since day one-ish. But I got to say, you and the Silver King, in quotes, he says, Shivani's voice. Remember that soundbite we used to use? Silver King! All right, thank you, Billy. Uh, He says, we really missed the boat with our Iconics take from last week. So he wants to lay it out for us on what we missed, saying they're ruining the the, the tag belts by putting them on the Iconics and having them lose all the time. He says, number one, here's what we missed. The first... Okay. I don't know if we missed that, though. Number two, they have underrated great entrance music. Number three, do you remember a guy that proclaimed to be the greatest IC champion of all time and whose reign was over 400 days in the late 80s? Do you remember even one big win he had during that time? No. He lost all the time when the belt wasn't on the line or by means that wouldn't result in a title change. These ladies are chicken bleep heels, and them losing makes sense. They shouldn't be booked tough, but when the belts are on the line, they should find ways to steal cheap wins or at least retain the titles. It'll draw heat, and when they finally do drop the belts, it'll feel special. Number I... four, Billy says, they are legitimately funny. They're reminiscent of Edge and Christian. It reeks of awesomeness phrase of their tag team run. They're delusional. They laugh at themselves. They think they're way cooler than they are, and the iconic pose gives him five-second pose vibes. He says, if BC and Adam think Bailey and Sasha were going to make them belts feel special. You are sadly mistaken. Vince saw what I saw. They were a boring, stale act with a team name that was only one notch above the Viking experience. Vinny Mac did the right thing, putting the belts on the Iconics, and they should stay there for the foreseeable future. P.S. Let it be known that I'm still coming for that fourth spot on Rushmore, on Route Mushmore, he says, and I'm also a little salty 
that you keep playing the sound drop of Tristan Adelano dropping the Bret Hart I did not bang Sonny line when everyone in the SOC community knows that I, Billy Habibi, was the first listener to include that line on a DM. Don't at me. It's true. It's damn true. Wow. Billy, he, he shot a shot, Adam. He did. No, it's, it's a good DM. It's a fair DM. But I think the criticism was not having chicken bleep heels lose. It was having them lose immediately after winning the titles in a in a in a situation that caused one of the people who they took the titles off of to be extremely upset with the company. So they basically made them new champions and then immediately had them lose five matches in a row that I'm not saying that they can't lose and they can't lose often or frequently, but you can't only have them lose every single time yes. when you just made them champions and you're trying to make the title something. And when the title reign that they ended was only like three months to begin with, if they beat them a nine month reign and won their first match on raw, and then you had them lose a bunch, but then they won at the next pay-per-view via underhanded tactics or, or, you know, being scumbag heels or whatever, that's totally fine. But they've lost every match they've been in and it makes them look bad. And it makes the title change look bad. Not yeah. the titles, the title change. I'm with you on that. All right, final DM. We got a similar DM from our boy Super, Duku, Super Duper Chike at Guru Vane who says he is the first name on the African equivalent of Mount Rushmore for our show. <laughs> okay. All right, I'm not going to read his DM, but he had the same comments. The DM I will read is from Chris Nyron at C Nyron. By the way, follow this guy. He's a beer connoisseur, and he goes all around the world. I don't know what his job is, but this guy's fantastic. He says, guys... That was the best Bobby Lashley promo all year during that Miz TV. He spoke really well. And is it time? I'm sorry. And is it me or maybe just that new Gucci belt? But Corbin seemed like he belonged on that opening segment. And Drew McIntyre really killed it. Also, did you notice Pepe the Witch was renamed Abby as an Abigail? The shakeup has been like a well-needed exfoliation because those old raw heels seem to have new life. So Chris is coming at us with powers of positivity. But him and Chike really went after that one thing, Adam. The Bobby Lashley promo. I don't know if you've been reading the dirt sheets, but it seems like Leo Rush is in trouble with WWE, if you can believe that. He didn't show up with Bobby this week. And if you heard our bonus audio last Thursday of my interview with Bobby Lashley, the guy caught a pretty damn good promo himself talking about, I'm simple. You don't need sisters in a storyline. I'm a fighter. Let's talk fighting. He nailed it on Monday. Chris Byron was right. You've always, and I think you watched Bobby a little bit in TNA. Yes. I didn't. But you always said that Bobby didn't need anyone, and I agree. Give him a decent topic, and he's not a great promo. He's never going to be great, but he's totally good enough. I, I agree. He handled, handled himself very well in that situation. I've always said that about, by the way, Corbin, who I think people really underrate and has been dealt with some pretty bad booking. Um, and McIntyre, we know, is great, so I, I agree with all of that. Yeah, yeah, you're damn right. Let me, let me hit you. Let me hit you with some quick. Just give me hero, heroes or zeros. Right, very. You got two minutes, Adam. Let's do it. Is are they going to split Roderick Strong up from Undisputed Era, hero or zero? I have. I didn't watch NXT last week. I do not know. Okay, that takes off two of my heroes or our questions. We will talk about that next week because it was a great episode and you need to watch it. Alistair Black's promo is the last two weeks on SmackDown, hero or zero? Zero. They're going in the wrong direction with him. They're trying. Trying is good. Giving layers to his personality is good. It's just not working. It's not That's the right direction. It's not horribly written. It's just not. It's not well delivered. What's the right direction? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, a heel, number one. Number one, a heel, guys. A guy with a with, with maybe the second best finisher in the game from with the, along with the RKO from the standpoint that when he hits that, the match is yeah. friggin' over. So yeah. 
uh, if you're an evil, dark Aleister Crowley type spinoff, um, you're evil and dark. So be a ridiculous heel. You don't have to. Don't go Vince level and start biting people on their neck and leaving claw marks. Don't do something stupid. No vampires here. Just be an evil badass who brings it in the ring. I think with a guy like him, he can't really talk, so don't make him. Okay, and last one. Samoa Joe, Rey Mysterio rekindling their feud. Uh, it didn't It didn't move me. It didn't move me. I mean, Dominic, it was cool to see him there, but he wasn't ringside. He didn't bump. It, you know, like, that should have been a... That probably should have been the Mania match if Rey wasn't hurt and Rey gets the moment and he wins, but... Eh. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking Dominic might get locked in the coquina clutch. It'd be nice. At money... Money in the bank, and I think that'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice. All right, Adam, that is the show for this week. Thank you to everybody. Follow us at State of Combat. Do not tweet anything negative at Adam, or he will block you. That's what we learned this week. As do not insult well. Adam on Twitter, or he will block you. And folks, um, I, I'm I'm hot or cold on watching Being the Elite, but I think you have to start watching this Road to Double or Nothing every week because you're finding these Cody promos, these Dustin promos. It is heating up on the launch of AEW. Uh, we did have a guy from named Jordan at Won't Do the Job that I don't have time to read his uh, DM, but he came at me saying he just discovered Joey Janela, and he's like, it's making me lose my love for WWE, what all these AEW guys are doing. I was never an AEW guy, but I'm ready for the revolution, brother. Get the WWE crap out of my ring. Hey, that's the theme of the show, guys. It's time to make a change. If you're listening to WWE, I know you're not, but if you are, make that change. It's up to us as a people to start making some changes because the revolution is coming, and we want our time invested in wrestling to matter. Watch Canelo Jacobs this week. Watch and listen to our preview pod out there in the state of combat and a lot of bonus audio coming this way live from Las Vegas. All the big names, big time legends, man, uh, trainers, uh, broadcasters, promoters. We got it all coming at you. If you like that. And don't, and don't forget, Brian's going to be all over CBS sports HQ covering Canelo Jacobs. We're going to have plenty of content on CBS sports.com, including live coverage of the fight from Las Vegas. It's going to be awesome. We have you covered wall to wall Canelo, Jacobs, one of the biggest fights of the year. The biggest, the biggest. Thank you. We is it the? Uh, is it? Is it going to be the biggest of 2019? Uh, if Canelo wins and does the trilogy with Gennady Golovkin this fall, that would be the biggest of the year. Doesn't look like any of the heavyweights are going to fight each other. Uh, we may get Keith Thurman and Manny Pacquiao this summer, but I don't think that's bigger than this. That's more of a, a play on their names. But yeah, that's it. It's time to say goodbye. We got to get out of here. Canelo is calling me. Where's the damn button? Can't find it. Uh, maybe I can just voice it. Here we go. Okay, now say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here well, right now. That's a little now. rough, Randy. Oh, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. Thanks, Randy. We out.